Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of Beyond the INC, the podcast that really never thought it would make it this far. While some of you have been out to watch the band in action this week, we've stayed in to bring you all the latest from behind the tour and more, including news about the next single due from Perfect Symmetry, which will hopefully trouble the top 100 this time, details of a couple of new videos from the band, one featuring a well-known funny man, and the other starring Little Britain's Matt Lucas. Zing! We'll be reviewing the UK tour so far and offering some excuses for a moment of Ulster embarrassment for Tom. Plus, the latest brainwave straight from the skull of Mr. Jesse Quinn. Now, Chris, did you notice how you can't spell Jesse Quinn without sequin? Yes, Andrew, I had noticed that. It says more than any of our words ever could. So, that's all coming up on today's unnecessarily explicit edition of Beyond the INC. Fuck! Beyond the INC! Beyond the INC understands that the next single from Perfect Symmetry will be released on March the 16th. It'll be out on download, CD single, and 7-inch, and it will be, drumroll, better than this. After Perfect Symmetry missed the top 100, they'll be hoping that this single is a hit. Now, ideally, um, they need it to have the sort of ubiquity that all of their older singles used to have. Um, I mean, the fans seem to love better than this, but it needs the rest of the public to get absolutely mental for the pseudo-ashes-to-ashes stylings that it's serving up. Yeah, and it, I think it's really important as well that they get these songs out there on the radio in time for the summer festival shows when there's going to be lots more people listening. Yeah, and I'd probably expect the next and, I well, the final single from the album to follow in the middle of August, roughly when I would expect them to be playing at a festival in the middle of August. Hmm. Anyway, that, of course, is pure speculation, and we don't know which of the unreleased songs it would be in any case. Or, possibly, a reissue for Spiralling, of course. Interesting thought there. Anyway, we'll talk more about that in the summer. The date for your diary now is March the 16th, which we believe is the release date for Better Than This. Now moving on, the official site has two brand new videos online this week. One's a very sweet miniature documentary filmed by Tom during the band's recent trip to LA, featuring aircraft hijinks, not hijacks, and hotel misery. I thought that as well while I was making the notes. Um, The other is the latest What Do You Think Of video featuring Matt Lucas, who I think we'd prefer to think of as the guy off of Shooting Stars back in the olden days. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely his finest moment. Anyway, we won't spoil them for you because they're being streamed now from the official site. Or if you pick up a flyer from one of the venues on the UK tour, you can download them to watch at your leisure. Cool. And finally, Richard's been posting some tour photos to the website and we're doing so throughout the tour. Now, we can remember what the band looked like from one day to another, so we're not interested in most of them. But there are some nice shots of travelling between shows in there as well. There's an excellent photograph of a receipt, actually, that you should check out as well, Andrew. Definitely, definitely, as soon as we're done. Um, Anyway, let's round the news off with this. This is a little clip from a video that Richard recommends of New York's PS22 chorus, Children's Choir, performing this melancholic version of Everybody's Changing. Now I feel sad. From Jesse Quinn's blog. I'd eat my own head for one of these. Leica M8 Safari Edition. Oh, I'm not even going to put a link to it. It's $10,000. Beyond Right then. Tonight it's all the third gig of the UK tour. 
up in Newcastle at the Metro Radio Arena. Now, as you would imagine, it usually takes a little while for a tour, any tour, to really hit top speed. But so far, we've had some great reports from the first two shows that took place across the Irish Sea in Dublin and Belfast. So let's start with some raw stats. Raw stats. The set list for the shows ran to 23 songs. 23 songs. I'm, I'm just going to repeat what you say every now and then. 23 songs. Making them the longest shows the band have ever played. Ever played. Interestingly, they also played a slightly different set list on each night, which is something that some of the more boring fans have been demanding uh, for the best part of five years. Now. Oh, don't put yourself down so much, but Andrew. I, I, I can't help it, mate. I can't help it. Oh, okay. um, but, yeah. So, uh, rather than running through the whole set list, let's pick out the surprises and highlights. If you're going to a show later in the tour and don't wish to have your gigging experience spoiled, you should skip this part to about 7 minutes 52. Still with us? Excellent. So, the band have looked back to their hugely successful Hopes and Fears era and resurrected Snowed Under. That's the B-side that Tom busked on the Christmas webcast, if you watch that. And actually, it's what we speculated might happen on last week's show. Yeah, good, great choice, that, isn't it? Uh, nice to have something back from the old days, which is uh, a bit more kind of upbeat and... It's nice to have a B-side, I've got to say. It's nice to have something which is... I, I, I hesitate to use the term for the fans. Um, mm. But only really the hardcore that are going to these shows are going to be familiar with Snowed Under. And it'd be interesting to see, actually, if it flies off the off iTunes or, you know, wherever it's sold these days. Just, you know, some, you know, some people rediscovering the, the old great tunes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, it was a great part of the Hopes and Fears set. Um, I think with it, they're playing it in the, the acoustic bit, I understand. I think. Yeah, I that's, think that's right. right. Yeah, I think it's just a, Tom on an acoustic guitar. And I think that, that lessens the impact. If you're going to play a an old song which only a few hundred people maybe in the arena are going to know, play it acoustically. People might think it's a new song if they don't know mm. it. But, you know, it, it basically lessens the impact of it. Makes it more accessible for everyone. And also, I think the scope for them to play more Lost Classics um, the way you want it, for example. Definitely. Plenty, plenty of scope for that to be played acoustic. Yeah, but the biggest shock, actually, which sounds odd seeing as it was an album track and uh, Snowdon was only a B-side, yeah. is that Sunshine is back in the set. Sunshine. Um, to be honest, I mean, it's also almost reached sort of forgotten forgotten track mm. status itself because it was one of the first songs that they, they dropped once they had enough material to actually play for more than an hour and be able to drop stuff that they, they'd recorded. Um, Sunshine was one of the first songs to be crossed off the set list. Um, I don't think it's been played at all since the release of Under the Iron Sea. I think the last time, this is an ab- this is a, a pulling it out of my ass guess that the last time it actually was played live was at the Eden Project on what, August the first, two thousand and five. It's very possible, I think. Um, so yeah, almost, almost, well, three and a half years off um, for Sunshine. Um, what do you reckon about that? I think I think it's a, an interesting choice again. It's uh, I don't know if it, is it a love hate song. People some people have a strange attachment to it. Some people think it's a bit boring. It's got that. It's got an odd vibe to it, which is is not present on a lot of their other songs from the same album. I think because Tim on the album does the the opening part, and then Tom takes over. It does have that sort of unique thing about it. I, I listened to Hopes and Fears for the first time in quite a while the other day, um, and. It's it's funny, I, I like it a lot more now than when I was listening to the album on a much more regular basis. It's definitely something which rewards when you go back to it. I should point out the vocals aren't split like they are on the record, with, where Tim starts and Tom takes over yeah. for the chorus. It's uh, it's more like the old live performance with Tom singing Tim's lead parts. Yeah, I should should probably make that clear. Um, I think there have been some problems. Um, 
again from what we from what we gather from people who've been at the shows. Um, Tom had uh, quite a lot of difficulty with his in-ear monitors at the Belfast show. Um, I think we've got a clip here of the problems or what happened as a result. Take a listen to this. feel even sadder Chris so um, yeah just just explain for those who don't know what are in-ear monitors and why would they cause Tom to start hitting these sorts of bum notes well in-ear monitors are just headphones so that Tom can hear what's happening very clearly so he doesn't get if he's standing behind Richard he doesn't get an ear full of symbols or anything else he can hear everything all balanced very nicely they keep sound out as much as they keep sound in so he can hear exactly what's going out to the crowd rather than the sound in the spot where he's on stage exactly yeah and that's important uh, for singing in tune because um, unlike a piano where you know a, a key is in a set place and you can just hit it as you know if, you know you can get into the situation where you can be singing something completely different to what you think you are which I think is what has happened here. And um, the monitors basically, as as he sings, he can hear himself singing in his monitors, so he knows that he's, he's hitting the right notes. Yeah? I think so, yeah. And that's a lot of what the, the sound check beforehand is, making sure that the monitors have the right levels, so that when people are performing, they know what they're performing and everything's right. Yeah, it's what a legendary keen Rody Alistair Arting still, that's what his job used to be. The, the guy at the side of the, the stage with the desk, that's what he, that's what he does. Anyway, I, th- I think that's probably more of a technical hitch than a Tom Voice failure, to be fair. Yeah, being, being fair to him, of course. Now, um, we, we've also seen a couple of comments about how there's no uh, Love is the End in the set so far. There's no extra guests. Um, but I think, to be honest, we'd never expect to see the band taking a huge amount of extra musicians with them on tour. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, Love is the End has only been performed properly when they've got strings and so available. And, and sadly, for those of you out in the country, the place that gets those special kind of performances is London, really. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about the, the, the O2 show, um, that's usually where you have extra people because you've got journalists and other important people around and they you know they want to share the band off to them and it's it's more worthwhile for you know when you're doing it in front of 20,000 people as opposed to 4,000 people or yeah whatever. of course so i mean um what sort of possibilities would you imagine then if they were going to have something special in the O2 well i've had a little think and you uh, we've seen musical song love is the end before we've seen strings on a lot of the tracks yeah. recently for example the coco show um, also at the Coco show there were saxophones on Pretend That You're Alone so all these are possibilities they could, they could also get a percussionist uh, in mm-hmm. or something <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> they've been crying out for one of those for years <laughs> yeah it, it'd be good to get a professional in but uh, what I was going to say is that we, we checked out Kanye West's schedule and it seems all he's doing now is uh, being a Parisian fashion designer hanging out with odd men uh, in Paris as we've seen on, on someone's blog recently Yes. Uh, anyway, so um, it, I wouldn't think it would be impossible for him to go and debut the uh, remixed You Haven't Told Me Anything. Good speculation, Chris. Good Thank speculation. You. So anyway, as for the, the, the actual spectacle of the shows, the, the light show is reputedly as spectacular as we'd hoped, but I think we're using the wrong medium to, to do it yeah. justice. Have a really. look at this. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you've got some lights and they're on and then they're off. And then you've got some things that are made with light, and yeah, anyway. It's a shame, because I constructed a whole lighting rig in my bedroom to show it off until I remembered we were just using microphones. Yes. Um, we're waiting for the latest advance on this. 
Anyway, have a look at some photos and videos that are on the official forum, because um, I think they, they do it much more justice than we ever could with our, our microphones mm. and our bullshit. Um, also then, um, we should probably talk about the layout of the stage, which is something we talked about last time, you know, the ego ramp and uh, how we didn't like it. But guess what, Andrew? There's a difference. A difference, yes. Rather, yep. than, rather than being in a straight line, it's slightly curved. What would you say it's curved like? See, I, I hesitate to say, but I mean, I would probably use the word flaccid. You probably would. Anyway, it does mean that there's a bit more of the centre of the stage available because it starts off to the right where Tim is. And rather than it being a Tom-only affair, um, professional shoe fetishist Jesse Quinn has also been galloping down it so that he can show his footwear off to the adoring crowd. Sounds good. I know where I'm going to be standing. Anyway, a quick word about the crowds. They've reportedly been very quiet and slow to get involved in the show, which isn't ideal. I mean, this is this is down to you guys. Like, like we said last time about ticket sales, this is down to you. Um, I think the band sound like they've gone all out to put on these shows as the best shows of their career. Mm-hmm. Um, as I don't they always th- do. I don't think we could, you know, more than ever. Sometimes I think you could be critical and say that they're within themselves in some ways, but I think they're they're really making an effort with these shows. And I think it, re- it you know, it needs people to do the same for them. Yeah, I mean. Yep, yeah, sing, jump, dance, do whatever, but make a hell of a lot of noise. <laughs> you know, pretend that you're South American for the night. Just, you know, like, go mental. Yeah, we'll be showing you how it's done at the O2. But I, th- I think they deserve it. And I- I've got to say, I'm more than ever now, I'm really looking forward to those two gigs in Greenwich. Have you got a bit of wee in your pants, Andrew? No. Beyond the Now then, before we go, a couple of little reminders for you. The Beyond the Iron t-shirts have been made cheaper. They're just £10 now and they're available from the website. And remember, they'll be even cheaper if you're able to collect them from us at a gig. Yep, see the website for more details. And secondly, please keep your tour stories coming in. We've had lots, but we need more. Tell us all about who you're meeting up with, how you're stalking the band, how many times you plan to flash your tits at them, all that sort of stuff. Emails to tour at beyondtheinc.com as soon as possible, please. And so with that, we're done. We'll be back next Friday with more from the tour and, we hope, confirmation that Keen will be appearing on a certain pyramid-shaped stage this June. So until then, that's all, folks. <laughs>